Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. It is a privilege and an honor to be in this place with you today. You know, anytime a man would sell, sell his, uh, share his pulpit with you, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's something that is not easily to trust to somebody else's hands. So I, I, I do feel the responsibility, but I also feel the honor of, uh, of this moment. So I want to say to you today that um, I was asked to come and speak on a, on a topic that's dear to me because... Um, for 48 years, I've been leading worship. If I live to August the 25th, I will have been leading worship for 49 years. I'm asking God, at least give me 50, amen? And so I, I have been doing this since uh, I was 14 years old when God called me. Uh, when I first got started, I sang at jails where they couldn't leave and nursing homes where they couldn't hear. So it, it's always a good place to start, amen? <laughs> And so, uh, but now uh, the Lord has blessed me. I, I left my church in April and uh, the, after 26 years. And, uh, and uh, now I, my, my job, God's assignment for me. Somebody said, are you retired? I said, when they put me in the box and you view me, you'll know that I'm retired. But, uh, and better to be seen than viewed, amen. But uh, I was thinking that... Um, you know, retirement is, is sort of not really in the Bible anyway. But I, I, I just have been assigned by God to pour my life into young worship leaders and young pastors and, and training them. And so I, I've slept in my own bed 27 nights since April the 9th. So uh, it indicates to you, I've, I've been on the road continually. Yesterday, I uh, spoke, yes, last two days, I spoke eight times uh, to worship leaders in, in Mississippi and got on a, uh, and got in a car and drove to New Orleans, caught a flight, and got here last night about nine o'clock and ate some barbecue. Well, thank you, Lord. And, uh, and, and, uh, and here I am this morning with you and delighted and thank you for the honor of being here. I want to talk to you today about this topic of worship. You know, worship has become so controversial in the church, you know. Of course, you know, as Baptists, we fight about everything. But I, I, I was thinking that, you know, why is this worship thing so critically important? Well, first of all, I just want to say to you, worship is not about style or preference, okay? Because all of us have our preference. I fully believe that the music of heaven is going to be 70s rock and roll. But I... I, I think that, see, I got two or three, there, there they are. But, but I, I've got to tell you, now listen to me. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, we are not, we are not here to discuss style. Because none of us could agree on that. It's sort of like the temperature on the wall. I mean, temperature on the thermostat, you know. You could ask three people in here and say, it's too cold. And three people say, it's too hot. It's, it's not about that. Worship is about, not about style, but about substance. What is the substance of our worship? Why are we here? So I suggest to you that there's four reasons why worship is critically important in your life today. And I'm going to call this message, Why Worship? First reason I think worship is important is because I believe that worship is the ultimate priority of every believer. 
What do I mean by that? So Isaiah 43, 21 says this, this people, that would be me and you, whom I have formed for myself shall declare your praise. That means you were created by God for a purpose and that purpose was to be a worshiper. Now, I've got to say to you, many of you are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Priority of every believer is to lead somebody to Christ. But I'm going to ask you, how can you lead somebody to something you don't know? We begin to know God in our worship life. And it is out of the outflow of knowing him that we can share him with other people. Now, how, how am I sure that this is true? Well, if you look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, the first four of the Ten Commandments have to do with worship. Remember? No other gods before you. Have no idols before you. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And remember the Sabbath to keep you holy. That's the first four of the ten. I know God is a God of order, a God of priority. He would not have put them at the, at the top of the list unless it was important to him. Worship is critical to him. I said, well, that's all Old Testament. Come on, Ray. I said, well, listen to me. Jesus was asked a question. In Mark chapter 12, do you remember? Uh, folks followed him around just to try to trip him up. They did. And they asked him this question, which is the most important commandment? And he they're thinking he's going to tell us one of the 10 and we're going to jump on that. He goes off book and he says, well, hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one God and you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your, with all your strength. And he said, the second is like unto that love your neighbor as yourself. So I was, uh, I wrote a book several years ago on worship and in that book, I was trying to come up with a slick definition of worship that people could remember. So I was in the living room one night, and Andrew was getting dinner ready for us. And by the way, my wife, Andrea, was with me last time I was here, but uh, she's a pilot for Southwest Airlines, and she's flying up, and she left Portland this morning. She'll be home tomorrow night. And um, yeah, pilot, that's the one that sits up front. She trained in the Air Force at Reese here in Lubbock, Texas. She sure did. And flew those white rockets upside down. Yeah, I'm telling you, she's a bad woman. <laughs> she's also an expert with a handgun. So I'm just telling you, I don't mess with her much. <laughs> but we were in the living room. We were talking about, uh, talking about this. And I've, I've got a son, 25, he's pretty heady. And I said, you know, give me a definition of worship. He gave me like six paragraphs, you know. I said, man, that is awesome, but I don't think I can remember that. I said, and then my other son joined in and we were having this conversation and Andrew shouted out from the kitchen, worship is loving God. Isn't that good? Well, that's what Jesus said in this passage. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, worship's not a one-time-a-week thing. I mean, if you think worship, all you need is Sunday morning at 9.30, you're going to die of spiritual malnutrition. You need to be involved with Jesus moment by moment, day to day, loving him. It is your ultimate priority. Well, the second reason that I believe worship is important is because I believe God seeks those who worship him. 
Y'all remember John chapter four, the story of the woman at the well? Nod your head like you do. All right, good. That's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it has so much in it. But if you'll remember the story, Jesus said to the disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. And we kind of pass over that passage. But the re- reality is he said to the boys, boys, we're going through Samaria this time. Most of the time when you went from north is- in nor- northern part of Israel down to, uh, to Jerusalem, you would bypass, you would go around, you would detour around Samaria because all the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. It's still that way today. Last time I was in Israel, we went by Jacob's well, we left there and they were throwing rocks at our bus. It's a true story. All I got to say is there was such contention and strife that the Jews would just avoid. But Jesus said, we got to go through Samaria. Why why is is that? Because Jesus did everything he did with purpose. He was intentional about everything he did. He never made a mistake. So he says, guys, I got an appointment in Samaria. We got to go there. And so he drug them there. And when he got to the outside of the city to the well, he said, boys, go inside the city and buy us some food to eat. I would have loved to heard that conversation of those Jewish boys going into Samaria to buy that, that, that food. But Jesus knew he had an appointment and he needed them out of the way. And then comes this lady walking to the well who was going to draw water. And it was really unusual for a woman to come in the middle of the day because you see most of the women would come in the morning. It was sort of a fellowship time. They would chit chat with each other and just, you know, and then they would draw their water and they would go back home and do their chores and, 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 uh, and use the, the water for cooking and, and bathing and whatever they needed for the day. So here is this, this woman who shows up by herself and there's Jesus and he looks at her and he says, hey, could you get me a drink of water? And she basically said to Jesus, you just broke all the rules. She said, you're a a Jewish man and you're asking me, a Samaritan woman, to give you water? And Jesus said, well, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for water because the water I would give you, you'd never be thirsty again. He had her attention. So then he continued the conversation. She said, how's your husband? She said, well, I don't have a husband. She said, that's right. Jesus said, that's right. You had five husbands. That didn't work out. So now you're just living with a guy. And then the funniest verse in all of the New Testament, this lady goes, sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. I don't know why that's funny to me, but that just was funny to me. So she did what we do when we're confronted with our sin. She changed the subject. She said, you know, our people, we worship here in these mountains in Samaria. Your people, the Jews, y'all worship down in Mount Zion. And the implied question here is, who's right? Have you ever had people ask you questions like, well, what about the children in Africa? And they die and go to hell? You know, stuff like that. I've never had anybody ask you a dumb questions like that, right? Ones you couldn't answer. <laughs> Jesus said to her, the time is now when, pre- when people will worship me in spirit and in truth. For such does the Father seek those who worship in spirit and in truth. 
What an amazing passage. Could I zero in on that for a minute? God seeks those who worship him in spirit and truth. See, I grew up a Baptist. My grandfather, Aaron Tucker, was a Baptist pastor for 60 years. My daddy was a Baptist minister. My two sisters are married to Baptist preachers. I mean, we eat up with it. We're the only family in the world that says that fights over who says the blessing. Right? But I grew up believing that the Bible was the word of God. What about you? That's what I love about your church. It's a Bible church. It's got Baptist on the front, but you believe in the Bible. The Bible is truth. Every word from from a, a table of contents to, to, to the end of the book. Everything is truth. But could I suggest to you that truth apart from spirit can become legalism? My daddy used to say something interesting to me. He said, now son, the word of God is a sword to defeat the enemy, not a club to beat up your brother with. We have this tendency to argue over the Bible. We, we argue, and, and if you don't believe exactly like I believe, then I'm not even sure you're saved. <laughs> We've got to agree on everything. And if you, if you can, I'm going to throw you out of my circle. See, truth apart from spirit becomes legalism. Now, I'm a musician, so I've been traveling and singing my whole life. And, and, uh, and so I've sung at a lot of happy churches. Anybody been to a happy church? I mean, I get them to say Jesus, and they just start running around the room. It's just awesome. For a musician, it's wonderful. They'll sing the tar out of you. I mean, you just ain't got nothing left when you get through with them. And, and I love those churches, but can I suggest to you that spirit, apart from truth, can become emotionalism. You see what I'm saying? Sort of like cotton candy. You just take a bite, tastes good, but it's just gone. No substance. So let's go back to that verse. What does it say? The Father seeks those who worship in spirit and in truth. There's a blending. In fact, he even said a little something about it in John chapter 16 when he says, and when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will lead you into all the truth. What he's saying is you can't even understand the truth of God apart from the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit is what draws us. The Spirit is what comforts us. The Spirit of God is, the Holy Spirit is the entity of God left by Jesus to bring to us his presence on a continual basis. The Holy Spirit is here today. And apart from him, we can't understand the word of God. So the way I'd like to summarize that is that truth, apart from spirit, you dry up. And spirit, apart from truth, you blow up. But when you have spirit and truth together, you grow up. So it's the ultimate priority of every believer. And God seeks those who worship him. I've often wondered why somebody wouldn't want God to seek them. I'm going to leave that right there. So the third reason why I think worship is important is because worship is our ministry to God. 
We have a ministry to God. Now, I grew up thinking this and hearing this a lot, that we receive from the Lord and give to others, right? That's a, that's a good concept. Receive to the Lord. I even heard it said, uh, I'm a conduit for the Lord. You know, I just, I let what, what he gives me flow through me into others, okay? And that's a good concept, but it's an incomplete concept because we do have a direct ministry to God. It blesses God when you minister to people. But I'm gonna tell you, God is looking for your worship and your ministry to him is your personal worship. My pastor was preaching Acts chapter 13 uh, years ago on Sunday night and I was sitting over there after I led the music and got to the, to, said open your Bibles. We started reading the passage and got to Acts chapter 13 verse two and this is what it said. And as they were ministering to the Lord, now this was, uh, they were preparing for Paul's second missionary journey but I didn't hear any words but, but as they were ministering to the Lord. That's all I heard the whole night. So I started, I just, I was asking, what does that mean? So I started doing what you do a lot of times during sermons. You start flipping and reading and when, the, when it gets really boring, you know, it just, but, and so uh, I know you don't do that, but I, 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 I do. And so um, I, I started finding these places where the Lord was asking to minister to me. I, I ended up in Ezekiel. 44. Now, I, I want you to know, honest, I don't end up in Ezekiel much. But I, I, I want you to go to Ezekiel with me today. All right? If, if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 44. Go to Daniel, take a left. Ezekiel chapter 44. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, chapter, chapter 44, verse 15. And, and just look at that with me. But the Levitical priests, now how many tribes were there in Israel? 12 tribes. But the Levites were specifically assigned to oversee the worship in all of Israel, even to this day. So he's speaking to the worship leaders. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept my, in charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come to, near to me. They shall minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary. They shall come near to my table to minister to me and keep my charge. Nine times, me or my, in those two verses. Me, my, me, my. I mean, God almost sounds jealous over worship. Oh, wait. That's one of his names. Jehovah Kana, the one who is jealous over my love. It's, it's, it's a big deal to God that you minister to him. Me, my, me, my, me. He wants you so much. It's, it's, it's like he created you for this and so anything that gets between you and him becomes an idol he's jealous over you that's how much he loves you and so brother Ray that's Old Testament y'all want to move into New Covenant with me let me give you a couple of things that God says about how you minister to him 
Remember Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, Paul was writing to the Jews in the book of Romans, the Jewish Christians who were in Rome, and he was using something that they understood very well. He used the term sacrifice. In their minds, sacrifice was an animal that you, that you slaughtered and you took the blood and the animal and you put them on the altar. In other words, everything that ha animal had was laid on that altar. But he said it interestingly enough, I'm asking you now not for a dead offering because the blood of Jesus was enough. That satisfied the Father. But I'm asking you to lay on the altar of sacrifice, giving your all to me, living for me. Not dying for me, living for me. So you see, your worship is not an event. Your worship is a lifestyle. It's a moment-by-moment moment experience where you are pouring yourself out to God, living for him. I, I train all of these young worship leaders, and, 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 which is so very cool, I, I, to, the privilege to be able to pour into the younger generation and, and to say to them, listen to me, your life off of the stage is what validates you being on the stage. You gotta live it. Don't, don't witness for Christ if you're living like the devil. That was easy. By the way, you got to say amen early in this one because it gets hard toward the end, all right? So. so I'm just saying to you, there is a worship sacrifice that, is off, that you should offer, and it's your life. Oh, but yet there's one more, okay? Look at Hebrews 13, 15. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips, the fruit of your lips, your lips are attached to your mouth, the fruit of your lips that give thanks to his name. So it's two things he's asked for now. He's asked for your life and for your lips. He's asked for you to give him your lifestyle, who you are daily, moment by moment. But he's also saying continually every moment of your life that you are to express yourself about God. You know, I'm, I'm interested sometimes when I see... You know, Bubba sitting out there in the congregation with his arms folded. So why, why, why aren't you singing? Well, I let the little lady do that for me. <laughs> Just kind of enduring the music till the preacher gets up. That's a real worship right there. I got news for you, Bubba. This ain't about you. This is about him. 
We don't gather in my name. We don't gather in your name. We don't gather in the name of South Crest Baptist Church. We gather in the name of the Lord our God. And we're here to worship him. It's not what you get out of the service. I mean, I know you're going to go, at lunch, you're going to roast me a little bit. It's all right. You don't scare me. Lord, I've done this my whole life. Well, I just didn't like, he's too funny. I don't know why it's I don't know if I agree with that or not. Listen to me, Bubba. It ain't about you. And sister, it ain't about you either. It's about him. And when it stops being about him, that's when we get in trouble. Isn't that truth? Have you found that true in your life? And it's not just today. It's every day. It's about him. We are servants of the most high God. Servants don't have rights. Servants yield their life to their master. We are at the bidding of our Savior who gave up his life and redeemed me from the very pit of hell. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to move on before I get in trouble. If your name is Bubba, that wasn't directed at you. (laughs) Or maybe, maybe it was, I don't know. So worship is the ultimate priority of every believer. God seeks those who worship him. Our ministry to God is worship, amen? This is the favorite part of the message. Worship will be our eternal joy. Listen, when we get to heaven, it's just going to be worship. I mean, I'm trying to help you right now so heaven won't be a culture shock to you. (laughs) I mean, honestly, honestly. Now, I'm a football fan. I'm an SEC fan because I grew up in Louisiana. I was born in Tulia, Texas. Y'all know where that is? I left there when I was three months old. My mom and daddy graduated from Amarillo High School. I've got, I've got a cousin in this church. Theresa's here. Uh, y'all know Theresa Woodfin? That's my cousin. And Edwin and Linda Lewis, they're, they're cousins of mine, live here. I, I, I worked out on their cotton farm out just uh, off the Cap Rocket at Post, Texas, outside of Post, Texas. Worked there for a summer with my uncle, and Edwin, and my cousin, and I felt strong calling to ministry after working on a cotton farm. <laughs> Amen. So all I got to say about that is, is that uh, that's hard work, and I admire farmers. But, but I, I'm, I'm a football fan, and so, um, you know, I watch football in the fall, and I got two sons that went to UT, and so they're UT fans. And I got a boy who's an Alabama fan, a boy who's an Auburn fan, and, and I'm an LSU fan because I grew up in Louisiana. And uh, you pray for me. And um, <laughs> but I was watching a football game with Ohio State, and I, I don't care about Ohio State, but it was like below freezing. You know, it was like in December. It's below freezing, and um, they cut to a shot of these guys. 
you know, in the stands and they had no shirts on. And y'all seen this? They had no shirts on and they had a line painted from their forehead down to their navel. And on one side they were painted red on the other side they were painted white. And their team had just scored a touchdown and they were just, I mean, they looked like they'd lost their minds. And the broadcaster said, now that, that's some true fans right there. You know, I've thought about that a lot because you, you get a guy getting too excited about Jesus at your church. See where I'm going with this? And we'll label him as a fanatic. We'll tell him to calm it down. Now, they're acting like that over football, and football is a game, and it really doesn't matter. But Jesus really matters. And you can get as excited about him as you want to, because I want to be next to you. I'm not suggesting that all of you run around here and act crazy when, we, when we're saying, I'm not suggesting that at all. You know, some of you got, got on your cloak of, of, of praise and it's a little tighter than mine and it's okay. It really is. I don't, I mean, because God's not looking at your outward expression. He's looking at the inward heart. He knows if you're worshiping. He knows if you're getting ready for heaven. I mean, John was on the Isle of Patmos, which is a little bitty island in the Greek Isles and I love, John, John called himself the, the disciple Jesus loved. I love that. But, but he really was because, you know, he, he was leaning on the breast of Jesus when, when, when at the Lord's Supper, he was the only disciple at the cross, right? Anytime Jesus took a set of the disciples away, John was always in that group. He was the only disciple that wasn't martyred. You know why? Because God had a purpose. He wanted him to be exiled to this island out in the middle of nowhere so that he could visit him. God visited him and we have the book of Revelation. But in the book of Revelation, John wrote down an experience that he had in heaven. I'd like for you to join me right there in Revelation 4 today. Could you do that? I got to get out of this quick, so let's hurry. John, I'm sorry, Revelation 4. I'm going to start with verse 9. This is what John saw when he was translated to heaven. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy art thou, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for thou didst create all things and because of thy will, they existed and were created. That's called the song of creation. Chapter five, and I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a book written inside and on the back sealed up with seven seals. That's the book of life. That's where your name is when you give your heart to Jesus, okay? And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or in earth or under the earth was able to, uh, able to open the book or to look into it. And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look inside of it. Then one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. 
Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the the throne with four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as as, as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having each a a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals. For thou wast slain and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth and I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them just myriads and the, upon myriads and thousands upon thousands and they were saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing in the earth and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and forever. And the four living creatures kept saying, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped him. That is heaven. I mean, if you don't like worship now, you're going to be miserable (laughs) in heaven. There's no preaching in heaven. Now we see through a glass darkly, then face to face, we will know all truth. I was in the Dominican Republic a couple of weeks ago, and I said, I said this, I said, there's no preaching in heaven. And it was interpreted to, the, to all of these young ministers that there's no preachers in heaven. <laughs> I, I had to straighten that out. <laughs> no, what I'm saying to you is, it's all worship. I mean, I know that I've gone to prepare a mansion for you. I know that. I know that scripture. I don't care about my room. I want to see Jesus. I want to sit at the feet of my Savior, and I want to pour out my love to him continually, forever and forever. Why? Because he saved my soul. He delivered me from darkness, and he has given me a life that is abundant right now. Listen to me today. Worship is a big deal to God. And it needs to be a big deal to you. I want to close this morning with a story out of Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to make it real quick. But can I just say this to you? Worship has been controversial since the beginning. If you remember the story about Cain and Abel coming to worship, Cain brought an offering uh, of the produce that he had grown. He was, he was a farmer and Abel brought an animal because he, he was a hunter and he offered a blood sacrifice. And I've heard it preached many times that the reason that Cain's offering was not accepted is because it wasn't a blood offering. But I suggest to you, if you read on in the Old Testament, that there are, there are times that, that there are grain offerings that are acceptable. So that's not the reason, right? What was the reason? 
Why did Cain get so mad that God didn't accept his offering? It wasn't what he brought. It was how he brought it. You see, an acceptable offering begins with your attitude. I mean, you know, just look. I mean, he, he attended church and he brought an offering. I mean, in most churches, that's a good member. Right? And, of course, we don't have attitude meters out in the foyer to check your attitude as you come in. But I tell you, I wish we did. I just want to ask you something. How is your attitude toward worship? Do you come because it's your habit or do you become because you come with anticipation of what God might do in your life? Once again, this is not about us, it's about him. So when we come here, we're coming to give to him. We're not coming to receive from him. Now he's such a gracious God. He always gives us something, but that's not what it's about. It's about what do you come to give to him? And if you come, why are you here? And what is your attitude? See, it's so easy for us to get into a worship rut where we just show up and get through and we're thinking about, well, my goodness, would he get through so we get to lunch? I mean, we're, we, we, we forget why we're here. Why? Because our attitude is wrong. And I'm suggesting to you today, I'm suggesting... Could we have an attitude adjustment? What would it be like in this church if every person that came in these doors came with anticipation of what God was going to do, came with the excitement that today I get to lift my voices with my brothers and sisters and I can praise him and it will be a worthy offering that he will accept into heaven. He said, man, you're getting too excited about all this. You're right. I'm excited about this because it's a big deal to God. Some of you are here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't get one thing you're saying. And it's because you've never come to relationship with Christ. Look, you can come to church your whole life and never be a Christian. I mean, you can live in a garage and not be a car. But if you're here today and you say, I, I don't really get all that, so could I suggest to you it's because you don't have a relationship with the God we're talking about. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, then worship becomes a big deal to you. So in a moment, I'm just going to pray a prayer so that you can join the family of God. It's a simple prayer, and it's a prayer that God always listens to. But after that prayer, I'm going to lead all of us in a prayer. A prayer of refreshment and renewal to commit ourselves to become worshipers that bring an acceptable offering to the Lord. So would you stand with me? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.